Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Battleground Podcast. This is a podcast all about professional wrestling. Join Battle and Eli as they break down what's going on in the world of professional wrestling with special guests including some of your favorite wrestling superstars. You never know who's going to stop by. Now making their way to the microphone, give it up for the greatest podcast team in the world, Battle and Eli. I got to say, like sitting in front of me, a guy that has shaped my love of professional wrestling is in the studio with us right now. Tony Schiavone is in the building. I've really shaped your love of pro wrestling? You have. Like, wow. growing up, it was you and Jim Ross, and that was it for okay. me. Okay, well, that's, I appreciate you saying that. That's, that's some cool stuff. I, uh, I'm always, uh, I hear that a lot from people. Voice of my childhood, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Right. And it, it, it kind of blows me away because it seems like it wasn't that long ago when I was telling some announcers, you're the voice of my childhood. And now... It's, it's happening to me, so it's it's kind of weird. And it's kind of one of those things, like, I got into radio, and it actually was thankful to you and Jim Ross, because, I mean, I was, you guys calling wrestling matches, and I was like, I want to do that, which then kind of transitioned to my love for radio, so I owe you a lot of thank yous right now. Well, thanks for saying that. Uh, my advice to you is, get out of radio! Right! <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a terrible business. It, it has its moments. Yeah, it does. There's it days. Does. Yeah. Um, so tell How us many a, program directors have you wanted to punch in your day? There's been quite a few. A Some of them aren't here anymore, though, so right. it's you all good. You punched them out already. There yeah, you go. They yeah, they got punched out by corporate. Yeah, so. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> so tell us about your background. What drew you to broadcasting? I, I can't remember a time in my life where I, I didn't want to do anything else but. I'm talking about fourth grade. Uh, it, I guess it really started when I used to play Stratomatic Baseball a baseball card game with a friend of mine and we lived about six seven miles apart we did it over the telephone and i would call as i'm rolling the dice and everything i would call the game on the radio over, over the phone kind of and wow then uh, i had a friend of mine who lived across the street he was blind and he was a big baseball fan too and every night during the summer we would go out and sit on the porch and listen to baseball on the radio uh, we listened to WSB and the Atlanta Braves. We listened to uh, 3WE out of Cleveland and the Cleveland Indians. We picked up at sometimes we picked up uh, WABC out of New York and picked up the Yankees. That was that was not that easy though because WSB and uh, 3WE were the clear channels. WLW out of Cincinnati, picked them up and listened to them, and that's where I fell in love with the game of baseball, and I fell in love with the descriptions of the game of baseball. So. From day one, I wanted to be a baseball announcer, and that was all I knew. And uh, after I graduated from college, uh, I had done some high school football and basketball, and I applied to many different uh, minor league teams and got on with the minor league team, which led me, a year after a year in Greensboro, it led me to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was employed by the Crockett family because they, they owned a baseball team. And I was also a big wrestling fan. 
although I never did envision myself being a wrestling announcer, I, I really loved it. Right. And uh, and that's w- where the connection with wrestling came and where I moved out of baseball in, into into wrestling. Well, that kind of answered the next question because we were going to ask, how did you get involved with Jim Crockett Promotions? And, mm-hmm. you know, what was it like working during, I guess, the influential boom of pro wrestling in the 80s during was, that time? It was wonderful. It was it was. It was kind of like a dream, and, and I don't want to try to oversell it, but it really was because I, I love it. Was I was doing wrestling for the for the company and the promotion that I watched when I was younger. I watched Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. I'm, right. I'm from Virginia. I watched Jim Crockett Promotions. I watched Ric Flair and Wahoo McDaniel and Ricky Steamboat and Greg Valentine and the Anderson Brothers. I watched all those guys, and now I'm working with them. And it's uh, it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling to be able to move from one side to the of the camera to the other side of the camera, so to speak, and see how life was on that side. So I was a big fan. I took my took my job pretty seriously because I loved it so much. And then we moved to TBS in in, in eighty five, and we went on a national scale. And that's where you know things started to really pick up for Crockett Promotions. It didn't last long, about four years, but. There was a four-year period there, 85-89, where it was was pretty darn good. It's a hell of a run right there. Yeah, it was good. Our guest, Tony Schiavone, is on with us right now. Um, so you went to work for Vince you know, for a couple of years. One year. Um, what was your tenure like there, and ultimately what convinced you to leave and go back to TBS, who had bought Crockett Promotions? When TBS bought Crockett Promotions, really didn't want to work for them. I... Uh, and of course, the management at that time was a guy named Jim Hurd. They brought him in to run it, and I met with Jim. He offered me a job and offered me great money, more money than I would ever make in my life, had ever made in my life. And it was good, but I had, didn't have a good feeling about working for him. And Vince basically came calling through J.J. Dillon, who's a friend of mine. J.J. had left and gone up there to work. Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard left and gone up there to work. And I uh, decided in 89 that I would go up there. And it was a wonderful year, wonderful year. I went from a very small operation, mom-and-pop operation, to big-time wrestling, big studios, uh, New York City, doing uh, matches at Madison Square Garden and Boston Garden. And uh, it was a wonderful year. It was probably, until maybe this year, probably the best year I've ever had in wrestling, that one year in WWE. Man. At that time, WWF. But my wife was very unhappy. We were living in Connecticut, uh, where uh, real estate costs are sky high. Right. uh, Her family's in the South, and she didn't pressure me, so to speak, but I knew she wanted to move back, and I knew it wasn't a good fit for my family. So when Turner came calling, when Jim Hurd called back and wanted me to come back and then offered me a lot more money than he had originally offered me, and a lot more money than I was making in the WWF at that time. I'm weighing the fact, should I stay in the WWF where I can't afford to buy a house because the uh, housing prices, we're talking 89, the housing prices were half a million dollars Yeah. for just a, a modest neighborhood. Do I want to stay there or do I want to go back to the South where the prices were much lower and I'll be making a lot more money and my wife would be a lot happier. So it was, it was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. It right. really was. It was a tough decision. It really was. And still to the day when I when I think about tough decisions, I made I've had to make a couple of tough decisions in my career. That's been the toughest. 
of my my career. Right, I can believe that because yeah. I mean, family involved and moving right. and everything. I completely understand that. Tony Schiavone is our guest uh, tonight. AEW takes over Missile Auditorium, but the big thing is the after party tonight at Zany's. Yeah. You, Jim Ross, Codrad right. Thompson. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Uh, what's going on tonight at Zany's? Let the world well, know. Well, let's see. I, I've been to Zany's before a couple of times. I had a show there one time myself. Conrad and I did. I was on. Uh, I was at Eric Bischoff's show. Yep. And um, which the biggest pop of the night was when you came out with really? the broom. Really? Yeah. Right. We were, yeah. I was there. Oh, you and were there. It was, okay. it was exciting stuff. Right. Yeah. Zany's has been good for us, and I, uh, I, I kind of, I kind of consider myself a, a very novice stand-up comic type guy because I go out and drop a lot of f bombs. And uh, I, I try to be irreverent and funny. And uh, it's going to be really cool when I do it with JR. Because, you know, Jim's kind of serious. Right. And uh, we'll, we'll get him loosened up. We'll get him some <laughs> Moscow mules in him and get him loosened up. And, but we, uh, I really enjoy it to a certain extent. I, I talked to Conrad about this. Uh, now that I'm no longer, you know, I, I moved back into baseball. And I was doing the, the Braves AAA team for, for 11 years. Right. I've I've stopped doing that now. That I I resigned at the end of this past season. So now I've I've got some time. Although I don't have it right now. When the summer comes around, spring and summer, I have some time to go out and go live and and do live shows again. I enjoy it because Conrad kind of leads things with questions and answers and fan questions and everything. But I, there's there's a very very much a very uncomfortable feeling that I have when I'm on stage. Right now, I could probably loosen up tonight. And maybe have a few drinks or so, but I've got the flight first thing in the morning back to at Atlanta, and we've got to do some on-camera work for AEW tomorrow morning. So I don't know. How, <laughs> you don't know how much tonight's going to happen, right? Exactly. If I didn't have anything to do tomorrow, I'd probably really blow it out tonight. But I've got to be very cautious about what I do. And uh, but I'm going to have fun. I I really I honestly honestly enjoy uh, talking to the fans, uh, communicating to the fans. We have a Patreon site where our uh, top-tier um, subscribers have kind of become our friends. Every time we have a, a live show somewhere, one of those guys show up everywhere. We have, a, we have a, uh, one of our friends from Toronto comes everywhere we go. We, we had a show in, in St. Louis recently. It was one of our crazier shows. Crazy shows. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Crazy shows. <laughs> And a lot of our top-tier guys showed up, one from Arizona, one from um, Toronto, one from Pennsylvania, a couple of guys from Cincinnati, one from – and they convinced uh, they convinced Wildfire Tommy Rich to join us. Oh, wow. Because Tommy Rich – we had Tommy make a surprise appearance at one of our little conventions we did with our listeners, and Tommy was tremendous. So now he just kind of – Just shows up. Just shows up. So, but but I feel uncomfortable on stage. I really do. I, I guess uh, I really guys like Taylor Williamson and Dan St. Germain and Ron Funches, those guys who are friends of mine and do it for a living, doing stand up. Yikes! Yeah, that's tough business. That is tough business. Because yeah. and you would think like after you saying that you would think that it wouldn't be tough for you because you're doing commentating. But right. then it's the same time nobody's sitting there watching you and you're not having to see them. Not looking right at people exactly. Yeah, and that's that's where it gets kind of nerve wracking. Exactly. It's like radio. It's like right. I could sit here, we could have this conversation, but you put me in a crowd of 
you know, in front of people, right. you kind of tense up and you're like, yeah. yeah. So, right. uh, Tony Schiavone is our guest right now in the studio. So, going back to kind of wrestling, when Turner brought, bought Crockett Promotions, he ramed, renamed the promotion uh, World Championship Wrestling, which was the name of the NWA show on TBS. Right. Um, there was a lot of change within to the point you asked Vince to return to WWF when that happened. Is that true? What, that I wanted to go back? Right. Yeah, I wanted to go back immediately. What was it that kind of rubbed you the wrong way with the acquisition and the new changes, if you mind me asking? No, I don't mind you asking. I don't know if anything rubbed me the wrong way, but I remember thinking that I had taken a drastic step down in my career. I had gone from, again, what I I had said, you know, New York, Madison Square Garden. Vince had a very, very large, and still does, production facility. A lot of people. A lot of... uh, things at your disposal that you can do and it was a lot of fun I was a producer and I and I then I came back and I'm thinking oh I'm back in the same old I'm doing the same old thing that I did when I left and uh, I didn't really like Hurd I liked him as a guy he was he and I went out a couple times and had some drinks and we were out in Japan together and super show in Japan and in 91 I really liked him but I didn't like working there. I just didn't. Now, the house was great. We lived in this great area of Marietta. We still live in that house. Oh, nice. Yeah, almost. it'll be 30 years coming up in April. Uh, I love the house, love the area, love the neighborhood. All the kids grew up there. But I didn't like, I didn't feel like my, my career was going the right way. I, there was, I say this, and it's kind of facetiously, but, it was almost on a daily basis, I, I was thinking, they're going to close this place down. This is so mismanaged and so run on the shoestring that Turner's just going to come in here and say, we've had enough of it, and they're going to lock the doors. I really thought we would go out of business at any time. I, and I really felt strongly about that. I didn't feel like it was being run the correct way. Right. And I'm not the type of guy to say, hey, Guys, time out. Listen, this is all this all sucks, and we we need to do something. But I just uh, I hung out and made, took the money, worked hard, real hard, at trying to make a show, uh, work on shows, and uh, it wasn't until Eric Bischoff took over and Hulk Hogan came in that we started to do very very well. Right. And then that didn't last long as well. So. You know, there was a lot of high and low moments in WCW. I want to know what was like kind of your favorite moment in your tenure with WCW. My favorite moment. I had a lot of great moments. Hulk Hogan turning heel was pretty darn good. Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair's first match when Hogan came aboard at Bash of the Beach in Orlando. That was pretty cool because, I mean, we, we legitimately sold out the building which we weren't doing a lot of selling out the buildings before Hogan came aboard. And Hogan came out with Shaquille O'Neal, and I kind of got a feeling that we were doing something right, getting the celebrity rub, so to speak, becoming mainstream. That was pretty cool. The the summer of 1996, when uh, the, the Olympics came to Atlanta and our offices were right downtown, we moved operations to Disney, and we moved to a, a uh, we had offices backstage at MGM Studios, and we spent the entire summer there. That was cool. 
that was really cool working at Disney and doing the shows there. That Disney run was probably the best for us. That was probably the best feeling I had about what we were doing. Now, when you worked at Disney, did you get like a, a, a pass that you could just ride the rides and just walk around Disney, or was it just kind of you strictly stayed there? No, basically, uh, we, <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking way before, uh, you know, 9-11, right? Right. I had, a, uh, I, had a, I had a car pass, and my car pass, put it on the dash, allowed me to go to any park, any uh, parking lot, uh, any employee parking lot in, in any, any of the parks. So I would take the kids, put them in the car, and I'd go right through the employee parking lot, and they'd bail out and go into, this, go into the parks. Uh, that have been into a the parks. cool moment, though, for, yeah. for Dad to yeah. be like, hey, get us in Disney. Come on. Yeah, as much as you want. You know, there was some times that uh, kind of getting towards the end of the WCW era, and there was kind of some writings on the wall that was kind of mm-hmm. going the way that it was about to close. Vince was yeah. going to buy it. When did you kind of see the writings on the wall? I got to get out of here. I, I, I don't remember the time, but I, but I do know that uh, that I was making f- phone calls and, and trying to get into to, uh, I knew my... Apparently, uh, by my contract, I, there was a certain period of time where I could not look for another job. Uh, and I said, to hell with it. I'm going to look for another job. Uh, I remember one specifically, we were in Greenville, South Carolina at the Bilo Center. And I spent the entire day standing out back making phone calls, uh, trying to get another job. And I, I knew it was bad. And, and then I was told... I was told the TBS, you know, with the sale of, a, of AOL, that they did not want to have wrestling on TV anymore. And this was, we, I, we had a pretty good feeling because Eric had a company, Eric Bischoff had a company that was going to buy it. And then Turner said, we don't want wrestling on TV anymore. Yeah. And then Eric's sale kind of was like, what's he, if Eric's going to buy this company and he has no place to put it, what's the use of buying it? Then, of course, they sold to Vince. Um, but there were a couple. I, I I can't give you the date, but it was like that last year. Yeah. Very terrible Christmas. Uh, we we went after the Olympics were in Sydney, Australia. In um, in nineteen in two thousand, we were in Sydney, Australia for we were actually in Australia for like ten days, and we did some TV tapings there. And it was a miserable, it was, should have been a great trip, but it was a miserable trip because we all were thinking that when we came back, we we're going to have our, we we're going to be closed down. Yeah. That's and something you don't want to have on a no, kind of thing like that. No. And, uh, of course, it didn't, it wasn't until right up to the end where we really didn't know, you know, what's going to happen. We're, and we're gonna, we got sold and we got closed our doors and I got a real good uh, severance pay, real good, and uh, started doing radio the very next day. There it is. And then, you know, and you're in wrestling back again, which is a great thing for all of us wrestling fans because I'm a 30 year old dude. And like we talked earlier before, it's like growing up wrestling, you, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, like we're all a part of me being a wrestling fan and you guys helped shape wrestling for me. And something that's really cool uh, Major League Wrestling. Um, we kind of want to talk about that for a little okay, bit, if sure. that's okay. Sure. Um, how did you get involved with him and kind of what convinced you to go back to pro wrestling? Well, I. Uh Cord Bauer, who runs Major League Wrestling, got in touch with me and uh, asked me to do come and, and do some some work for him. And he said, I can't pay you much. And I kind of balked at it. But then I said, you know what? 
I'll give it a shot. I've, I've completely ignored wrestling, haven't watched it in a long time, long, long time. And I was doing the, the, uh, the podcast with Conrad. Court ran uh, Major League Wrestling and MLW Radio, which were our podcast was on. We're on Westwood One now with it, but it used to be on MLW. So I started going down to the, the Guilt Nightclub in Orlando to do matches. And everybody was, not everybody, but most of the guys were kind of like yourself, that age group to where they all watched me and loved me and loved what I did. And there was a certain respect they had for me. And I got to thinking, you know, if, if they really do like me and they really, and they really love this business, maybe, maybe I can help them with their career, maybe by, you know, putting them over and being an announcer, help them with the career. And so I started doing it. And they, um, it kind of escalated. They, uh, they signed a deal with BN Sports. I signed a uh, three-year deal with Court for not much money at all, thinking, you know, what the hell, no one's going to want me to do wrestling again. I might as well just take this little bit of money and, and help pay the bills. And, and then AEW came around, and that kind of happened quickly. Oh yeah, and it's and it's we talk about it all the time, and it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah. AEW is literally blowing the roof off, and right. we see that in the ratings because we look and on the show we kind of do a wide variety of talking about all the other companies, right. and you know it's it's not. I guess we can call it a Wednesday Night War um, unofficially, is what a lot of people like to say, but. How did it you get involved with AEW? Because th- for a while, you like you said, you were just kind of coming on to do AEW kind of dark, correct? And then it no, trans. I, er- no, what happened was I uh, because I'm a, I'm a uh, friend of the uh, of Cody's family, his mom, his brother, obviously his deceased dad. Right. I was working for MLW. I knew I was under contract for MLW, and Cody asked me, he said, "Will you come in and do a control center for us? It'll just air on YouTube." And I went, yeah. Right. And that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> because Court Bauer said, what the hell are you doing? And I got to thinking, well, I'm just helping Cody out. I didn't get paid for it. Yeah. And I never, never one time asked Cody for a job. I, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm not, I'm not the, the one that, and I even went out to dinner. Conrad and I went out to dinner with Cody and Brandy one time. We ate and I didn't ask him for a job, although I knew AEW was going down. And I known about the T. I known about the TNT thing long before it was announced officially. Wow! I I know I knew they were going to be on TNT. That was kind of common knowledge with me and Conrad and all of us. So this is crazy. This this was like the craziest month of my life, and I'm thinking it's like September or maybe it's August. Maybe August. Bruce Pritchard had gone to the WWE, had gone back to the WWE, right. well-known. And, and Bruce and I are friends, and he has a podcast with Conrad. When Bruce went back to the WWE at the first of the year, he said to me, he said, if I get in there and there's a place for you to come to work, would you consider it? I said, absolutely, I would. I'd love to come back. I'd love to come back and be a producer. I really love producing. Much more than I do announcing, although announcing is where you make your money. Right. And uh, so uh, he said it'll probably be April. April came, nothing happened. I didn't push it. Finally, in August, he calls me. He said, hey, I got something here. You want to talk? I went, are you serious? And he said, yeah. I said, okay. So I hung up the phone. First person I call is Conrad. 
who's my friend and Bruce's friend. I said, right. you're not going to believe this, but Bruce Pritchard just called me, and I think there's interest in me going to the WWE. And Conrad said, that's great. That's great. Let's, let's see what will happen. I hang up the phone. He calls Cody immediately. So it had to be 10 minutes after I hung up with Conrad, I get a text from Cody. I don't want you going to the WWE. I want you to come to work for us. And I went, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, I, uh, I was contacted by Bruce again. Bruce said, you got a job. Vince wants you to come here, work in, for the network. The next person I got in contact form, uh, from me was, uh, to me was their, uh, an HR lady. She asked me what I needed, and I told her. And uh, I, Cody got in touch with me, and I said, Cody says, have you signed with him? I said, no. I said, but I'm talking to their HR department. He said, I want you to talk to Tony Khan. So Tony Khan called me, and he said, why don't you come down and meet with me in Jacksonville? And I said, okay. And in the midst, I'm still getting calls on a weekly basis from their from their HR department saying, we don't have anything for you yet. We're still talking and in the process, but we'll be back with you. Trying to figure everything out. Right. So I went down, met with Tony Khan, and it was a long meeting. It was an all-day meeting. It was great. Went to lunch with him and everything at the stadium. And there was no question in my mind I wanted to work for Tony Khan. No question. Because of his passion, his drive, his love of the business. And um, I did, But I didn't commit to him. And I said, I'm still hearing from the WWE. He said, well, here's what I got to offer. If they offer you more money, I suggest you take it. I said, okay. Went back. Still didn't hear from anybody. Bruce called me a couple times. You hear anything from my HR department? Yeah, they keep stringing me along here, Bruce. I don't know what's going on. So finally, right before SummerSlam, the Friday before SummerSlam, the lady calls. She says, I'll have an answer for you after SummerSlam. I said, okay. Now, this is Bruce has already told me that Vince says I got a job. Right. Don't worry about it. And Bruce even told me one of the phone calls. He said, you got a job here. Don't worry about it. Just... I said, and the Monday after SummerSlam, the bear, I get a call first thing in the morning from this lady. I think her name was Meredith. And she says, we appreciate your interest, but we have nothing here for you. Oh, and I man. Said, I said, Meredith, uh, you guys called me. I didn't call you. She said, well, that's all I can tell you. I said, thanks. And I called Tony Khan. I said, I'm in. And he sent me the paperwork. And I signed that week. Bruce calls me Saturday, <laughs> and Bruce says, I just, I, I just had my head above water. I mean, they, listen, working up there is high-pressure business. Right. right. Just got my head above water. It's been a terrible week. Have you heard from us, our HR lady? I said, oh, yeah, I have. She told me we had, I had nothing. There was nothing there. This was via text. We were back yeah. So I signed with AEW, and Bruce says, I don't believe it. I, I, I don't understand how that happened. He said, will you call me later? And I said, yeah, and I never called him. I said, you know, they have to go the heck with it. And that's how, that, that's how it all happened. It was, it was a crazy week in my life to where all of a sudden nobody wants me in wrestling, and now all of a sudden I'm going between two, you know, AEW and WWE. I don't know what happened. Um, but I think it all happened for the best because I'm really enjoying this right now. And I know we are enjoying it hearing you and Jim Ross back together. That's yeah, great on with TNT. Him. He was a big part of me getting here. You know, he he really lobbied and pushed for me being one of his, being his partner in announcing because we worked together and been friends for so long, and so it all worked out. So I, I owe him a lot too, for getting me here. We kind of want to know what's it like being back on TNT and calling matches with Jim Ross again. Well, it's it's really great 
This is this is more fun, really more fun than I've ever had because it's high profile. And I'm not doing play-by-play, so I just kind of let Jim take care of it. Right. Because <laughs> you got Jim and Excalibur, Excalibur there as well. Yeah, I'm just adding stuff is all I am. And I'm trying to, you know, trying to add, I'm trying to add stuff that, that gives it meaning, not just add stuff to add stuff. Because if you get three announcers trying to vie for time with words, you get a terrible broadcast. Right. So I, I just try to add to it. And, uh, you know, we... Uh, it's really well organized uh, when when we're there during the day, like, you know, we're here in, in Nashville at the Municipal Auditorium for the event. And it's all organized backstage. We've got a lot of staff. We've got seamstress. We've got makeup. It's just like it's just it's really uh, it's really wonderful. And we go out and we have like at three thirty, we'll have a we'll go out and we'll do our we'll rehearse our stand up and we'll look at all the videos we have to pitch to. And we were really well, well prepared when, when it, and then when it, when it happens, you know, Jim takes the lead and it's Jim Ross welcoming everybody and Excalibur will say something, I will say something. And, uh, the, the, it's fun. It really is doing the, the, the live shows are fun. Now I work on AEW dark and that that's really a lot more work for me because I've got to work with some of the guys to format it. And I write the script and right. we, have to, we have to do that. So that's a little bit more involved. But uh, this is uh, this is wonderful, and so far it's been well received. I mean, really has been well we received. we love it, and my co-host uh, we kind of talk about it, and he's kind of protesting the other brand at the moment just yeah. because of some well, things that they're doing. But yeah, I, I get that, and and right now right now it's uh, we are uh, the flavor of the month, and we're in a honeymoon period. Um, I, I'm I'm not trying to I'm not being negative at all by saying this, but. Weekly wrestling TV is a whole different monster. Right. So hopefully next year at this time we'll be as popular with the fans as we are now. I, I like to think that because we've got some very good talent. But it, now it's our charge, and I'm talking about us, to keep you wanting to come back on a weekly basis. And if we can continue to have storylines like we had with Chris Jericho and Cody, and now with Cody and MJF, then I, then I think we'll do that. Because I know that there's there, because uh, I follow you on Twitter and I know you and MJF kind of go back and forth, yeah. which is kind of fun, especially watching you know yeah, your your one liners and he's, he's an arrogant dumbass. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Eli, who's my co-host, texts me and he's like, Tony Schiavone just called him a dick on live TV. Nah, we called him a prick. <laughs> a prick. That's yeah, right. right. And I was just like, this is this is great. And yeah. it's just MJF wears that heel role very well. He's the best. There's, um, no, and, there's no heel like you him. know some people are comparing him to Piper right um, right I, I, that's probably good because he can talk and he has a great presence about him he's a darn good worker in the ring the the uh, the prick line was I went to the we have TBS people there in the truck like three or four of them come out and let us know what we can say because we're TV 14 right so I walked in the truck that day and I talked to him met him and I said can I use the word prick and they went, yeah. I went, sold. <laughs> Fair game now. <laughs> you got it, buddy. I knew exactly who I was going to use it for. <laughs> and tonight, I'm going to, because it's the first show after Full Gear, I'm going to see what I can get by with tonight. Oh, man, it's going to be so. exciting, which you could still buy tickets to AEW Dynamite, aewtix.com. They start at $20. You can still get those. Um, let's talk about uh, your social media. Where can people find you at? Okay. Uh, don't find me on uh, on Facebook. I'm there, but... I, uh, that's kind of like for my family and my people back home, uh, the old guys showing off their grandkids. I don't really, uh, friend request on Facebook from people I don't know. I don't really. Right. 
Uh, I'm on Instagram and on Twitter at at Tony Shivani 24. Uh, although I haven't been that active on Instagram up and it's, I, I come and go with, with Twitter because, you know, Twitter can be the sewer of America. Oh, everybody's a warrior behind a keyboard. Yeah, exactly. But there's some pretty good things on there. And, you know, we've got our own, uh, what happened when our podcast has its own Twitter feed too, as well. And its own Facebook page. That's probably the best place. What happened when our Facebook page and our, and our Twitter page, um, I'll get on Twitter and, um, uh, after a show like tonight and, and check and see what the feedback and it's been mostly positive people who are uh people who are who are not positive about what i say i either mute them or block them yeah not because i'm mad at them but just because at my age i don't need any negativity in my life no Gone. see you later and that's the thing is like we've talked to a lot of wrestlers before and they're like if they you know I just completely ignore them. Or like you said, you just block them. Because, yeah. I mean, everybody has an opinion, yeah. but and everybody thinks that there's the best. Right. And listen, everybody has got everybody may have a valid opinion. You may have a valid opinion, but if your opinion is negative towards me, I don't want to see it. I don't need to see it. It's I'll just push it out of my way, you know? I, I say this, and I'll probably say this tonight at, uh, at Zany's, one of my, in my routines. I say, Twitter has become one of the great tools and one of the worst tools ever in our society. The reason about it, it's one of the worst tools is it has given idiots a voice. That's number one. The reason it's one of the great tools is it's the great uh, identifier. You know who's an asshole and who's not. You walk down the street, you don't know that person's an asshole. But you go on Twitter, you know who they <laughs> you are. You know who they are. I mean, they, will, they, they will make it known they that they are that known. person. Right. So, Oh, man. Uh it has been an honor hanging out and talking thanks. with you. Yeah, thanks. It was great being here. I uh, I love this town. Uh, I uh, the last time we're close to here, there's a men's salon called the Moose. Mm-hmm. I've been there before. Beautiful women uh, cut my hair, and uh, I've come here when Vanderbilt plays Georgia all the time, football and basketball. Been doing that for 13 years now. And uh, years ago, we used to have Star uh, Starcat Star Starcade. Mm-hmm. Over Starcast Arcade yep. <laughs> at uh, at the auditorium, so we're back there once again, and uh, this is uh, it's uh, one of the great cities, and uh, it's great wrestling background, great wrestling uh, history. Even though Jeff Jarrett's part of it, and he's an idiot, uh, but he knows he's an idiot. Uh, it is great, uh, great background, and it's, so uh, and I appreciate you having me on. It's AEW's been a, a blast, it really has. Hopefully next year at this time. Uh, it'll be still be a blast. It's still going to be a blast in our book, and once Good. it rolls back through Nashville again, studio's always wide open. All right. Thank you, Tony. Bye, bud. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Battleground. Make sure you give it five stars and leave a nice review. If you want to stay up to date, follow them at Battleground Podcast on Instagram. <laughs>